We ready? Yes, we're ready. All right. Woohoo. Tell you what, we'll move this out of the way, see who's left. I think I'm going to take my jacket off. There's so much action here this morning. <laughs> when, I'll just find my remote. Now that's a, anyway, listen, while I'm doing this, glad to be here. I should have planned this better, shouldn't I? There you go. Yes, sir, I heard that point. Thank you. Hey, my wallet's in there. You keep an eye on it for me. All right. I'm not neglecting you guys over there, but uh, somehow I've not got to block the picture. You can see the picture, don't worry about the preacher. Where's my monitor, my man? I got it. Oh, yeah, you probably got it. Oh, there it is. Yes, thank you. All right, good to be here this morning. Boulevard Bible Chapel is a special place for us, cause especially today because my wife Jane is going to be baptized at 4 o'clock. We're going to have some young people, very young. Jane may be the oldest. When you get to your mid-70s, you qualify for up there, I suppose. Actually, Jane got a touch of the flu and she's afraid of water and can't swim. She says, nothing will stop me doing what God told me to do. And that's an example for us all. And so I'm proud of her. And the Lord's pleased. And Jane's going to be blessed. But we're so grateful for Boulevard for doing this. Boulevard will always be part of our life now. And we'll feel part of your family. And there's two, two families in England praising God for what you're doing us today, so we're grateful for that, and I thank you so much. And here we are. Now, I've got to get going. I'm supposed to still finish at noon, Malcolm. 12.15, I thought I heard that. That's good news for me, bad news for you. <laughs> but here we go. You know what we're doing? We're doing three challenges, passages that all start with that important word, therefore. We did 1 Peter 4 and Romans 12 last week, and today Hebrews 12 that give three answers to that very important question, so what? And therefore, because of all this stuff we learn, 1 Peter 4, because Jesus died, Peter said, arm yourself to live in conflict. So last Sunday morning, we talked about conflict, triumphing in trouble. And now, and last Sunday night, remember, therefore offer yourselves to serve God effectively. So we talked about the reality of conflict in this world, the need for and this is for Christians, you know, if you're not a genuine born-again Christian, you'll wonder, what is he talking about? You, you know, if you don't have life in Christ, you should talk to Malcolm or myself or Dave Bosworth or one of the elders, because this, this talk is, therefore, therefore, because you know Jesus, therefore, you've got something to do. And today, we, we've got to, and this is especially helpful if you're in our age bracket, I think Jane and I are the seniors around here. Man, you've got so many young people. Ah, Roger's gray. <laughs> I still got my hair, but if you're older, this is an important talk because it's about persevering, running the race. Therefore, so let's get right into that, talking about running the race, therefore, in Hebrews 12, because the writer to Hebrews said, therefore, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And what he's talking about is the Christian life. It's like a race, he's saying. And he's saying, you get rid of all the stuff that stops you running that race well. Uh, 
You know, I, I've done a lot of traveling over the years. I remember taking my family once on a cruise, Baltic cruise. It was a special event in our family. And, and you can see that's with my grandchildren and I'm leading the pack and we're all dragging a case because we had to catch a train. We've got to get to the port. We were nip and tuck. We were in London, England and we're trying to get on the subway and I said, man, we're never going to make it with all this luggage, dragging the luggage. But we did get to <clears throat> get on the train. But, but I mention that because I experienced firsthand the difficulty of having stuff that hindered. Um, I, I mean, there were ten of us, four grandchildren, three women, a lot of luggage. Uh, and I found that having a lot of stuff slowed us down. So I thought, we're not going to get this train. We did. And that's a happy thing. But it just reminded me... Was you think about traveling and luggage and encumbrances, that if you're going to really move ahead and, and, and run, I mean, I'm not talking about ambling here, I'm talking about running, as the writer said, we've got to do something about the encumbrances, and we need to talk about that. Understand, of course, that uh, we're talking as if the Christian life was a race. And I'll, I'll be sympathetic with people who say, I can't run anymore. <laughs> I'm in that age bracket too. But, but I'm talking about what you need to do to be successful, living the Christian life, which Hebrews said is like a race. And I want to tell you four things from this passage that you need for success in a race this morning. And uh, I'm actually going to use the word drop. And not just because you've got to drop on your knees, not just because you've got to drop all the encumbrances, it just happens to be a handy way of summarizing the four things that you need. Uh, the D of drop is to dress right. I mean, you've got to be free of encumbrances. But you've got to run on the course. You know, if you're going to make it, you've got to go forward to the goal. And, and listen, very important, you've got to look at somebody, the coach, and in the Christian life, that's focusing on Christ, something we hinted at in the first service. And of course, especially for some older Christians here, but you all need to understand this, because to finish well, you've got to start well. Persist to the end to finish well. So that's our job. Dress right, run on course, observe the coach, <coughs> persist to the end. We're going to go through these as we look at this passage, a passage that starts with therefore. But why is it doing that? Because it's picking up this theme that actually comes at the end of chapter 10. If you read through Hebrews, the end of 10, the writer is talking about perseverance is exemplified that in chapter 11, the great chapter of faith. If you know the Bible at all, you know that the great chapter of faith comes just before these words, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We need to get that clear. Those witnesses... This cloud of witnesses he talks about. This is chapter 11, the great faith chapter, where a lot of examples. A lot of people get this a little bit wrong, you see. The cloud of witnesses in, 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 in the first verse of chapter 12, they're the great examples from chapter 11. Those people ran and ran and ran till they were victorious. And, and it's saying, you'll be inspired by them. You run like they did, in faith, not giving up, no matter what obstacles you encounter. I, I know some people think these witnesses are saints in heaven looking at us. But I don't think that passage means this. Uh, 
I don't think the saints are wondering how I'm doing down here. You know, if they departed in the presence of the glorious Lord, we're worrying about us bumbling around, heaven wouldn't be the glorious place it is. The total occupation of people in heaven is Christ. And I think if the way they... if, if, If they could see the way some of us, especially people like me, stumble and stagger along the track, heaven will be less than perfect for them. So I want to tell the witnesses are not people in the stands cheering us on. The cloud of witnesses are examples, not onlookers. Uh, So rather than us, uh, them looking at us, what the writer is saying is you look to them. You follow that example. They're role models. And their example should encourage you because, of course, Remember this, don't think all these guys in the Bible, they're they're special cases. I want to tell you that the the God who was their God when they raised is our God too. Uh, And we've got the text at the front, God doesn't change. And we can run, we can run like they did because God is with us just as it was with them. Sometimes we forget that, that God's the same. So that's the call. Look at their example and do the job. And, and, and the first thing that the writer says then is, is if you're going to run this race well, you've got to be free of encumbrances. And that's why I talked about my luggage problem. And I want to tell you, what's an encumbrance? An encumbrance is anything that impedes your ability to run. And I want to tell you, it may not be the big and obvious sins. This guy's got all kinds of number, but... But it's not always the big and obvious things. You know all about the, the, the commandments and adultery and murder and all those things. And the big sins. And, and most of you are keen to avoid that. If you're a Christian, uh, um, you know that the big sins, breaking the commandments, the law and all that, would, would, would stop your progress in the Christian life. I mean, there are clear and serious sins, uh, immorality and dishonesty and lying and all that stuff that uh, you know would trip you up and it would cause you to fall in a Christian life. But I want to tell you there are less obvious things. Things that allow us to run on, but they hinder your progress. And that's what I want you to think of. They're often innocent, allowable things. but if, and this is the point, if they become so important that they begin to impede your ability to freely move forward in your Christian life, the race that's a Christian life, then you have to deal with it. Uh, we need to think a lot more about the way we can allow even innocent, praiseworthy things to divert us from our objective of a strong finish in the race. What what I mean to say is that if you become so involved, even in in good and praiseworthy things, I mean things like your business, very important to earn your living, your family, absolutely key in life, hobbies, sports, could be studies if you're a student. I mean, they take up, I was a retired professor, I know how how hard they wanted people to study. It might even be the study of theology. But, But the point is, if anything becomes such a major preoccupation in life, the focus of your life, that you forget what you're really trying to do, please God and finish the race and look to Jesus, then it can hinder. Anything could hinder. It's a matter of priorities. It could be a small stone. Any small thing that controls. 
that's the key if it stops your growing relationship with the Lord you have to deal with it and you could allow good things to control your life I know a man is so consumed by his business and his investments well he doesn't even think of praying it's a low priority doing the things that would enable him to progress as a Christian but the reality is that any pursuit, if it absorbs too much of our time and thoughts, it can become something that interferes with our spiritual growth. It can become an encumbrance, and you need to cast it aside. And so that's a challenge. What's in control is the basic question. You know, we've just had the Olympics, of course, it's inspired a few things in connection with this talk. And I was reading about the swimmers, because there was a great fuss about a new swimsuit that, that acts almost like a second skin, and people were arguing, uh, you know, is this fair? Should it be allowed? Because world-class swimmers, of course, they love it because they want to swim stripped of, to the minimum. So... There's nothing that stops them moving forward. If you're a swimmer, the kind of swimsuit you got makes a big difference. Those being baptized are just going to go down and up, so you just wear something that's appropriate. But if you were swimming in the Olympics, you've got to be very careful what you're wearing. And, and, and I was thinking about that because this passage has said you've got to minimize anything that impedes your movement forward in the Christian life. And it's a challenge. And I'm asking you to try to deal with stuff that slows you down or trips you up. Dress right. Be free of encumbrances. And you think about your own life and say, what is it that's holding me back? And don't think it necessarily is a bad thing holding you back. It's a matter of priorities control. So, so think about that. And it can be simple. Don't think it's big. I, 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 I like the word so easily entangles us, the writer said, because I'm... You know, I fell the other day just over my shoelaces. I mean, shoelaces aren't a big obstacle, right? But you can sure trip. You don't have untied shoelaces on the stairs. So easily entitled. So it's a good exercise. You read, you know, always go back to the Lord's words. I think we neglect the Gospels. And Jesus said, he said, look, it's a matter of what you seek first. There's all kinds of good stuff. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hey, all this stuff will be added to you. It's not that your business will fail or you have to give up having a happy life with wonderful hobbies. But you see, they're added. It's a matter of what comes first. Now, I want to say this, of course. I realize that some of you are carrying a weight and a real burden that's not something you're preoccupied with from choice. I know there are some people here with difficulties and they've come unwelcome into your life and it's, it's a real burden. Now, if you're carrying a burden like this, a burden that, that you could do nothing about, could be pain, could be unemployment, could be all kinds of difficulties that, that you sure didn't welcome, and you say, they're my burdens, I just want to say one word to you because... Well, I've been through moments like you're going through too. I want to say this, just one scripture, very quickly, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. This little cartoon is just saying, let me carry that care, that worry, that need, that problem. And let me say this, if you have that kind of a burden, do cast it on the Lord. But leave it there. You know, I know people are casting their burdens on the Lord every day, the same burden. 
and said, the Lord said, I'm already bearing this. You know, they say, cast on all and leave it. Now, I want to say that because I know some of you say, well, I've got burdens that I don't want to bear, but I can't do anything about it. Be encouraged. You know, more spiritual progress often comes on the path of trials and tears than the road of success and laughter. I grew spiritually when I was in intensive care in the hospital, when, when some scam artists relieved me of my life savings. It was a very, very unwelcome, unhappy moment in my life. Growing spiritually was wonderful, and it can happen, so just bear that in mind if that's your position today. So let's drop the encumbrances and run to go forward to the goal. I, I love the way verse 1 adds, the race is marked out for you. Isn't that wonderful? The race, that, that, what we're called to do is to, to run the race set before us and that's the course appointed for your individual life. God has a plan for you and you and you and you and you and they're all different. My, God's plan for my life is totally different from the plan for your life but it was God's plan. And it's so important you run the race set before you. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy run. I mean, every course, the course God set for you will have its own obstacles, uh, like this obstacle race, have its own difficulties. The, but a course that's set before you is the one set by a God who knows your capabilities, knows your gifts. I talked about gifts last week. It might be tough, but there won't be obstacles like this that you can't climb over. It's not going to set an impossible race. We've all encountered obstacles. You'll encounter obstacles, but it's set by God. Who doesn't try us beyond the possibility of what we can bear? Scripture is very clear about this. Success requires that we stay on the course God calls us to run. See, you can't go willy-nilly through life, making your own mind up, I'm just going to please myself. God has a plan. You have to ask for it, seek it, pray about it. Very nice scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 17 in the ESV will summarize this. It's, Paul says, only let each person lead the life that God has assigned to them and to which God has called. The life God has assigned to you and to which God has called you. Just think about that. A very important little verse. Because, and we need to run... <coughs> Don't forget the goal. I mean, you're not just running willy-nilly. We need to run in this course in such a way that you're moving forward to the goal. And the goal really is the same for all of us. The course may be different, but the, the ultimate goal, as we heard in our earlier services, is likeness to Christ. What a goal. What, a, what an end. And so you've got to persevere. Now, let me say one thing about persevering. That's the goal. But you need to distinguish carefully between perseverance and preservation sound a bit the same perseverance and preservation the reason I'm mentioning this is some Christians these days seem to think they know Christ but they could blow it and lose their salvation I want to tell you if you have life in Christ you have the Lord's assurance that you can never lose your eternal salvation and I want to mention this because all who are born of God are kept by God and I'm running into fearful Christians unnecessarily so. So, they've failed as I've failed. They've stumbled on the course. But the Lord who gives his sheep eternal life 
will ensure that they obtain eternal glory because he promised it and there's no possibility of failure with God. You may fail. <clears throat> I certainly fail. There's no possibility of failure with God. Scripture's so clear. Look at this. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.4 Having believed, that's trusted Christ as Saviour, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing the redemption of those that are his. Now that's what I call a guarantee. You don't need to worry about the fine print. A deposit guaranteeing. So you are preserved, but it doesn't mean you don't have to persevere. The fact that you can be confident of your eternal preservation doesn't take away the need for you to be responsible for perseverance in the faith. <clears throat> it's a very important exercise for you to keep checking whether you're moving forward. You don't stay the same. If you haven't prayed any different for the last ten years, if you have a rope prayer, you always go through nothing new, you got what's changed? Am I growing? So you've got to, you know, you should ask yourself, how goes the race? Sometimes we get so blasé, good morning, how are you? Fine, good morning. Everything okay, everything's fine. Sometimes I think we should greet each other differently. Say, how goes the race? I say, oh, sometimes we say, take care. I think we should sometimes say, take risks. <laughs> take risks. We're not supposed to be just taking care. And, and, and we need to greet each other. Free, ask yourself, and greet me. Do I know God better now than I used to? I mean, how much closer am I in my dotage as an old guy how much closer am I to the goal of Christ's likeness am I any different from when I came to Boulevard last year I, I don't know I don't want to answer that in front of you but we've got to answer the, ask these questions because the challenge is to run on course and to move forward to the goal and it's a big one and the race well you've got to make progress because it's not just a uh, an amble. The race is a marathon. But it's not just a marathon, it's a steeplechase marathon. This course is filled with obstacles. You know, it, it includes opposition from people who aren't in the race. Some of the guys at work, they don't want you in a the race. There's so much in our culture today that, that says, you just live for yourself, not for Christ. You don't want to get into this business. There are so many influences that want to prevent you from going forward. They even want you to terminate the race. And, and you've got to move. You see, to jump, to move, to, to make progress in the race and jump hurdles and overcome obstacles, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, you can be fearful or living your life full of fear or or you could be bitter about something that's happened in your life. <clears throat> something someone's done. Selfishness, we all have that problem. Ignorance of God's will, not looking at his word. All those things. Those are obstacles. <clears throat> and you've got to deal with them. <clears throat> Pardon me. The frog's jumping around this morning. Aaron had it. <clears throat> now I've got it. But you see... And, and the way you deal, you know how to deal with them. I don't have to tell you this. You spend time regularly meditating on God's Word. I don't just mean reading it. We all have a quick reading. But I mean meditating on it, thinking about it, letting it speak to you. And that, that of course, is, requires discipline. It requires effort. 
But you see, even huge obstacles, I mean, things like disobedience or addiction, maybe you have an addiction and, and you're dealing time with that, they can be overcome. But the only way they can be overcome is what we've already learned in our first service, it's observing the coach. It's focusing on Christ. People look all over the place these days for help, seminars, all kinds of stuff. But you see, what the writer says in verse 2, getting back to Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And look what he says in verse 3, you consider him who endured such opposition from simple men, so then you won't grow weary and lose heart. It's the key to everything. This, this is not a sophisticated talk. It's, it's absolutely basic. You've got to look to the Lord Jesus. We look all, You know, I was talking to a guy yesterday or the day before, <coughs> in the last couple of days, who's brought up in a Christian home and is worried about science problems and this, that, and the other. And I said, hey, you've got to focus on Jesus. He's worried about the church. The church, oh, what an obstacle. They put him off, all these hypocritical Christians. Okay, let's go back and focus on Jesus. That's the key to everything. I mean, you take an example. I want to show you a movie clip. I was thinking of the Olympics. There's a world-famous <laughs> Olympic runner, the 100-meter champion, Usain Bolt. This isn't this year's Olympics, it's Summer Olympics. You watch this guy, and we'll get the movie clip up here. <laughs> this is Usain Bolt, 100 meters. to know it's one thing this guy this is your same boat looking at the stands now <laughs> he didn't look at the crowd till he crossed the finish line guys if you take one little glance to see who's behind you you're in trouble I many an Olympic race has been lost because just have a quick look see who's there it says fix on Jesus that 100 meter run in 9.69 seconds was done by a man who wasn't looking around Nothing can throw a run off his stride like looking for the guy coming from behind or the crowd in the stands. And notice what Hebrews says, verse 2. Very important, he said, fix. And that suggests the idea of looking away from everything else. It's saying, you stay focused fully on the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean a quick look on a Sunday morning. It's lovely to break bed and remember what the Lord did with us, but if that's the only time, it's saying, focus on Him. And if you do that Monday and Tuesday and in difficulties of life, other things of left significance tend to fall away and you begin to see what's really important in life. See, it's, it's so easy to focus on the wrong things. And they might be important things. Again, let me stress... You know, I know people who focus on, on, on their witness and the rewards of the Christian life or the wonder of heaven. 
the great things, of course you need to think about them. But none of these things, even the glory of him, will sustain you like a vision of the glory of the Lord that loves you. And if you don't think about the Lord himself and look at the Gospels and think what he did for you, then you won't make the progress you could make. Because the witnesses presented in Hebrews 11 were like us, were not perfect. But it said, keep looking to Jesus because he's the only one the only one who is perfect. So this is an important lesson. Make sure you're looking at Jesus, but listen, make sure you're looking at the Jesus of the Bible. I meet people, I'm looking to Jesus, a great example. Oh, I like, I like to think about what a wonderful, you know, man Jesus was. But if you're looking at the Jesus of the Bible, you're looking at the one who died to be your Savior, who's a Lord of all. He's a King of kings. He's a Lord of lords. It's for him the universe was created. The one, Hebrews 2.10 says of him, for whom and by whom everything exists. Don't look at a diminished Jesus. Jesus is the center of the universe. Jesus is why the cosmos is here. Jesus is the Son of God. And look what verse 2 reminds us, that he, this Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is the one that endured the cross. Where is he? He's exalted to the right hand of God. People look at the diminished Jesus. Look at the Jesus of the Bible. It's so important. Fix your eyes on the one that endured the cross. I, most of you would have heard, because of a popular movie a good number of years ago, of Eric Little... Eric Little was a famous Scottish Christian Olympic champion. They made that movie, Chariots of Fire. still an inspiring movie. It's an old one now. But, but, but the story told in that movie is, uh, is a day of the 400-meter race in the Olympics. And Little wouldn't run on a Sunday, uh, but he ran in that race, which wasn't his primary uh, race, best race. And he went to the starting blocks and it shows in the movie, and this is a true incident, that, that somebody slipped a piece of paper into his hand and it had the quotation from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, Those that honor me, I will honor. And he was a Christian man. He looked at that and he had honored the Lord by keeping the Lord's day. But that was his conviction. And he ran with that paper in his hand. But what was impressive about that, he, he not only run the race, won the race rather, he ran it and he won it, but he broke the existing world record at that time, 47.6 seconds, that was a record. And I thought about that man and read about his life, and I realized that little, oops, let's go back, I didn't want to, little was a man who fixed his eyes on Jesus. Now when I say something else, of course I mentioned the birds, I know that some of the older folks, or maybe the younger people are strong. Think, you know, this is a talk about Olympic champions. This is a talk about great runners. It's all very well, but, but you see, I can hardly walk. I mean, physically, some of me may feel like that, but I mean, spiritually. You say, I spend more time struggling to limp along. I'm not sprinting effortlessly. I'm no Olympic champion. Well, I want to tell you, you need to focus on Jesus. It applies especially to you. Because sometimes even walking can be difficult. You know, because I married Jane and I'm sorting out the house, I've been going through old movies and all this memorabilia having life. And I came across an old 
movie. My son is now in his late 40s with his own kids. And I came across a movie of him learning to walk. I thought, this one, I want it's pretty bad when you show your old Super 8 movies, isn't it? But, but, I, but it really touched me to see these guys, and I realized this is a movie of his actual first steps. And you know why he took him? Some lady said, look at me, come to me, come on, come on, come on. And he did it. I want you to see that, because that's exactly the point. If you're stumbling, if you feel you can hardly walk, said, look to Jesus, who's encouraging you. Let's look at that. Here he is, little fair-haired guy. I don't know what age he was, but he couldn't stand up very well. Some friend of ours is helping him stand up. And he's doing it, he's doing it, he's doing it. Ah! Man, he fell again. Did he get him on his feet? And there he is. Oh, man, he can't do it. You think his sister's there, died in her eyes. She can't stand to look. And then this lady said, come on, right by the river, too. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it. He said to me, well, I showed him that the other week, sent it in an email clip, and he said, I noticed you taught me to walk right by the river. <laughs> but you get the point. I don't need to apply anymore. The main thing, whether you're beginning the race or whether you're close to the finish, is to hear the Lord say, come on. To hear the one who holds up holds out his arms, encourages you forward. And I want to tell you, I don't want to make this a heavy Bible study, but it is important to know what the words of the Bible mean when you're studying the Bible. And the Greek word used for race is a word from which we get our word agony. And if you're having trouble, you need to remember we focus on Jesus. He's the one who endured the agony of the cross for us. He is the one who, verse 2 says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. We're called to focus on that, Lord. So challenge yourself. If you're struggling, if you think it's difficult, how much time do I spend between Sundays thinking about Christ and what he's done for me? And, and it's so sad if you're preoccupied. You know, I know middle-aged Christians who got... You'd think it would only be the kids got so tied up with video game races that they forgot the real race. Look at these guys, respectable couple, spending more longer on a video game race than a real race. It, it can happen. And I've got to tell you, look, folks, the core of the passage is yes, to, 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 to look to Jesus, but to persist at the end, to finish well. And again, look to Christ's example. At the end of his ministry, the Lord Jesus said this in his prayer. He said, look, Father, I've glorified you on the earth, and I've finished the work you gave me to do. Done. Christ is the one who can help you keep going till you cross the finish line, because he knows about finishing. And if you're flagging in a race, and if you're, you think, I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not doing so well, you just ask yourself, whose strength? you're relying on because you can't do it in your own strength I love that verse in Isaiah 40 the older I get the more important it is that they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength in fact for older people it says they'll run and not be weary they'll walk and not faint fantastic promise Jane said to me on the web I don't feel to 
greater day and week. And this is a verse, the Lord will renew your strength. And she'll know that, and we all know that. It's a real promise. We've got to take it seriously if we're fagging. And remember, you can also get strength and encouragement from other veteran runners. If you're stumbling, talk to one of the older Christians here. There are some fantastic older Christians here. Maybe they get forgotten with all these young people running around. They have a lot to offer. Talk to them. I can think of many people in my life who helped me on that specific track God placed before me. You know, when I was a young man, I was brought up in a Christian home, but there was a point when I was going nowhere. I had all kinds of luggage, encumbrances. I got into hobbies and sports and stuff, and I didn't know where I was going. You know what set me right? Some veteran Christians came alongside me. made a huge difference. And if you're an older Christian, you look for people you can mentor. Spend time with people because it can make a huge difference. You know, I talked about Eric Little. In, in one 440-meter race, when I read his biography, they said he got knocked down early in the race. And for a moment, he sat dazed on the track. And someone yelled, Get up and run! And he did. And he was 20 yards behind the others. 20 yards behind. But they said, get up and run. He not only caught up with the rest, but he won in an amazing performance. And he said, and this is Eric Lilly said, I just needed a word of encouragement. So think about that. You know, veteran runners are always ready to hear this call, get up and go. James 1.12 says, Blessed are the ones who persevere under trial. It doesn't just say persevere. They'll receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love Him. Very important ministry, the ministry of encouragement. You see, the reality is, and if you're older, remember this, and if you're younger, think about it. It's the end of life that defines what went before it. I struggled for two years without living and tried to do my ministry and my daughter said to me, remember, Dad, you preach about finishing well because it's the end of your life that's going to define everything. And I realized to finish well, I've got to make progress right till I cross the finish line. And that's why I'm not getting to verse 14 in detail, but it says, and look at this, make every effort not to be mediocre. Make every effort to be holy. What a chance without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You read a verse like that and, and you go, wow. And if you're in this challenging moment in your life, remember the Boston Marathon is, a, is an amazing example that's a famous race. And at mile 19, there's a long, steep hill and that's the one that tests the runners to the core. It's Heartbreak Hill, they call it. And it's Heartbreak Hill that just separates the determined runner from the casual jogger. Christ our Lord faced a lot of Heartbreak Hills. He looked at Calvary's Hill. Talk about Heartbreak Hill. That, the place of a skull where he was crucified for you and for me. That was the ultimate Heartbreak Hill. Scripture said about Jesus, Luke 9:51. he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And in the light of that, 
I got to tell There's only one response you can make if you are encountering heartbreak here at the moment. You're out of work, have family problems, have <coughs> health issues. Man, you're struggling on. What, what the writer is saying is don't quit. He finished. He finished the work. What Scripture said, he finished and sat down, verse 2, at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to show you another movie clip. Time's moving quickly, but I'll just time for a couple of clips. The 1992 Olympics, a very famous example. Uh, it was a especially heartbreaking moment. We'll talk about heartbreak here. There was a runner called Derek Redmond. And early in the race, he pulled a hamstring muscle. It was a 400-meter race, long race. Pulled a hamstring muscle, and he collapsed in agony. But I want to show you on this little movie clip of the event, the video, what happened, because I want you to be inspired by the way he got up and he limped towards the finish line. But this is what you should know. There's a man who barreled out of the stands, he pushed everyone out of the way, they tried to stop him, and he went to help. Derek hobble over the finish line. That man was his father. It's a tear-jerky moment. I can hardly watch it because of that pathos. But you listen to that. I mean, you watch it. And you think, when you're, even if you're hobbling over that finish, you have a father who's right alongside you. And he's the one that will ensure you finish. Let's look at that and be inspired by it. Derek Redmond in the end of the Olympics.
I don't care what struggle you got. You got a father. And you have to finish. And you may hobble, but it's finishing well with the Lord that counts. You know, Paul had it right. 2 Timothy 1 4, he said, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, this is, never forget this. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord will award to me on that day. And look at this, not only to me, but all who long for his appearing. And that's the challenge. If you never think of the appearing of Jesus, if you don't have any view of him this week, you're not going to do it. You'll, your salvation's secure, but I'm talking about finishing. Well, I'm talking about the crown of righteousness. Longing for his appearance is the ultimate test. I got a last movie clip because it's not quite 12.15. Just time. I don't know, I got a lot of movies today, but because I want you to get the feel for his appearance. I can't do it. There's no movie of Jesus coming again. I've got to show you a trivial human example of a surprising appearance. And I want you to feel the emotion. It's from a secular movie. All of you know the Apollo story. Apollo 13, was it? Those guys were lost. And the time ran out. And they made a movie of it. So this is just a Tom Hanks movie. But when it appeared, man, the emotion. The only reason I'm mentioning this trivial human example is to get you to long for his appearing. It's beyond anything that I could ever describe or tell you about. But Paul said, I've finished the race. And there's a crown. And it's for everybody who longs for his appearance. Let's look at this little human example for the end of that movie, and then we'll just pray. Also, all those who long for his appearing. This is a human appearance, but think about the emotion. This is NASA waiting, you know the story.
I can't describe the real appearing. But I'm calling you this morning to do something about finishing well and to long for that, to dress light and be free of encumbrances, to run on course, go forward to the goal, to focus on Christ and persist to the end. May God give us all the grace and strength to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that there will be an appearing. And we have a race to run, and we pray for your grace at this time to do that and to do it well for the glory of Christ. May your blessing rest on this congregation. Bless each that will be baptized this afternoon at four o'clock. Lord, that will be a great moment. And may it inspire us all to live in obedience, to look to Christ, to finish well for his glory.